Morning, everybody. Um, I'm going to pray and then we're going to look at Mark's Gospel together. Father God, as we come before the cross of Jesus this Good Friday, we pray that you may not only remind us of his sacrifice, but teach us afresh the height, breadth and depth of your great love for us. Amen. I'm going to read from Mark uh, chapter 15, verses 33 to 39. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lima sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. When the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus heard his cry and saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. For the centurion overseeing a crucifixion was a normal part of his job description. He was a battle-hardened thug in Roman uniform, used to killing humans the way one kills flies. And yet it is this man, and not a Jewish rabbi or loyal disciple, who stands in front of this young dying Jew and says something which is so significant in Mark's mind that he records it so that it might forever be read, remembered and understood. The centurion is the first person to call Jesus God's son and really mean it. What was it about Jesus' cry as he hung dying on the cross that caused the, caused the centurion to say these words? Perhaps it was the power behind Jesus as he spoke. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus addresses his final words to God himself. Why have you left me? He's abandoned, alone, isolated. Never before has Jesus experienced such loss or despair. Darkness has fallen in every way. The world is dark around him. The physical pain he experiences is torment, and yet to be abandoned by his father is a pitch black, impregnable darkness that it seems nothing can lift, an agony beyond all other. Perhaps it was the strength of his final cry. That was unusual. An ordinary death of those crucified was long and torturous. People suffered long periods of complete agony as they tried to pull themselves up and grasp for breath. 
they suffocated slowly, increasingly exhausted and usually unconscious before they finally died. And it could take days. And yet, this man dies quickly. He cries out with a powerful cry, with unexpected strength that the centurion cannot explain. Was it this power and strength behind Jesus' cry which opened the centurion's eyes to see who he was? Or what was it about how Jesus died that opened the centurion's eyes? Perhaps it was his submission that struck him. Perhaps he'd heard or seen how Jesus stood meekly before his accusers and was finally led out to be beaten, flogged and crucified as an innocent man. Jesus didn't argue his case. He didn't fight his corner. He didn't wrestle against the soldiers, but endured the mocking, the beating, the humiliation and finally the nails through his hands and his feet in total submission. It was almost as if he knew that this had to happen, was prepared for it. It was almost as if he knew it was meant to be. Perhaps it was his compassion for others that seemed unbelievable at such a time as this. Not only is Jesus concerned for his mother weeping at the foot of the cross, not only is he concerned for two guilty thieves crucified either side of him, but his concern too is for those who kill him, for all people. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. His compassion stretches to his enemies, to those that have wounded and rejected him, to us. Was it Jesus's willing submission and selfless compassion that opened the eyes of the centurion? As Jesus dies, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. At this moment, everything changed. As Jesus dies, the curtain is torn. Access into the presence of the living God becomes open to all through the death of his son. Perhaps as the centurion stood in the darkness, overwhelmed by the strange happenings around him, trying to make sense of it, Perhaps he understood that something world-changing had happened. Perhaps he understood that Jesus' death marked not just the end of an innocent life, but the beginning of something new and beautiful for all people and the completion of God's work to save us. As Jesus cried, it is finished. Perhaps this seemingly ignorant Roman centurion unable to see clearly in the gloom, finally saw beyond the darkness to the radiant Son of God, whose death brought an everlasting light into the world that would never be extinguished. This Good Friday, as we remain in isolation and perhaps fearful of all going, that is going on in our world, may we be comforted by a God who knows us, who loves us, and who is with us. He understands and has experienced the darkest of times, the deepest of suffering, despair and isolation, beyond what we will ever experience. And he went there before us deliberately 
and died that we might have a future full of hope and promise with him forever. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are willing to suffer, that you were willing to suffer in unimaginable ways that we might be saved. Thank you that your death on that dark day 2000 years ago meant that we might live in the light and in relationship with you. Thank you that because you were forsaken, abandoned and rejected, we can be welcomed into your everlasting family as your forgiven children. Thank you that we have access to your father because of all that you have done. Thank you that you are indeed the man of sorrows and the son of God. May we honour you this Good Friday and every day as our Lord, our Saviour and our King. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, friend. Thank you, friend. Thank you.